All right, welcome to another episode of the Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit podcast. I'm Robert, and Mike is actually not with us today. We actually fired him, so we've got a new presenter with us here today, Nicola. She's flown all the way from Canada down to Dallas specifically for this podcast. Nicola, how are you? I'm great, yes. Thank you. Are you like being back in the States? Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great? It's mm-hmm. great? How great? So great. Like Donald Trump great? Um... Oh yeah. You're gonna make uh, you gonna make America great again with you back. Yes. Good. I'm glad to hear it. So what we're gonna try to talk about today is pretty much the difference between Canada and America, kind of what goes on in the uh, in your neck of the woods versus ours, mm. and try to figure out who's got the best system. I mean, I think we do, but of you course. might. I mean, you might have a different opinion, but you know, you're a guest, so I've got to at least let you speak. Mm. Is that is that fair? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. So. The first kind of topic I want to I want to cover with you is really the leaders of our countries, you know, <laughs> because I, I know something that the most LLMP podcast listeners do not know about you, and that is that you're actually a fan of George Bush. I am. Yes, I I do like George. You like George? Well, what, what what do you think about Justin Trudeau? That's a tough question. I uh, am also a fan. Um, I do live in a very conservative part of the country, which um, is not, in fact, Justin Trudeau. He is a liberal. So you like Justin and you like George. Yep. They are polar opposites. I think the big difference is what works in Canada doesn't always work in America. Why is that? I think it's just what the countries were founded on. Um, Canada is more of a socialistic, not full socialism. Um, more out for the community, whereas America was built on the free enterprise kind of capitalism, which I think works for America, and it has, and it should continue to go that way, whereas Canada is more socialistic, and that's what works for them. And I don't think you can take a socialistic country like Canada and compare it straight out to America and say, oh, this is what Canada's doing. It'll totally work for us. It's very different. Well, good. So you're calling me out already uh, in the first couple of minutes here of the podcast, trying to tell me that what my question was dumb because I can't, you can't compare the two countries. Fantastic. This is going to be a great podcast. <laughs> I can already tell. So, yeah. So I, I can agree with you on that, though, because I don't think that a lot of the socialist programs or whatever work here at all um, that some do in Canada, like healthcare. I, you know, and you can... We really have you on the podcast today to talk more about that mm-hmm. because where we kind of live right now, I think they're trying to get to that, the point of socialist healthcare t- type of situation, but we have a ton of more people and I don't think it's ever going to work. So there are certain things and we can kind of compare, um, you know, what we do here versus what you do there. So with the Affordable Care Act, which was, you know, dubbed Obamacare, um, we were kind of fed some, what I would call, half-truths, maybe completely untruths, whatever you want to say, um, about that particular law that a lot of Americans got behind. But once it went into effect, it I mean, it didn't cripple the country, obviously. I mean, it's still going. But health care has really not been the same over the last, we'll call it eight, you know, eight years, which I, think, I forget how long Obamacare has been in. It's maybe six. But, um, you know, the... Premiums have gone up instead of down. They're going up again this year after the Affordable Care Act. That's the name, yet it's not so affordable. 
Um, private businesses are kind of canceling healthcare programs because of the costs. Um, you know, doctors' bills are not going down here. So my question really to start off was, when you guys, obviously you pay taxes in order for it to go toward the healthcare system. Like we, we actually do that here too for Medicaid and whatnot, but that's usually not a system that everyone can be on. That was designed for a specific group. Mm -hmm. So when you pay taxes, what percentage A do you, if you know, goes to, to healthcare? Do you know that percentage? I don't. Um, I do know uh, I lived overseas for two years after high school and I did not file taxes. I, I don't know if I should be saying that. Please don't find me. Um, because I didn't make any money over here. I didn't bring any back. Um, so I received a bill for three months for $44 um, back to back for my health care. So because I wasn't proving that I paid taxes, they were billing me for it. Um, and then once I paid those, which to be honest, $44 is nothing. Um, but I think there's a lot of misconceptions of this whole free health care. Um, for example, I don't want to get too far into it, but um, there's certain things that aren't covered that a lot of places I'm sure in the States do cover. Um, vision, dental, um, a lot of that isn't. And it is done on a province-based system. So for you guys, it would be state to state. So for me, every time I leave my home province or I go to America, I buy travel insurance. Um, and that covers emergencies uh, because it's all based on your province. And it could be different depending on where you live, what is covered. So you can't even travel province to province and get health care in another one? If you get hurt or something on a vacation or a work trip or something, you don't have insurance for that? You do, but um, it's kind of like provincial billing. So everything that is done is done per province. There's no Canadian healthcare specifically. Um, it would be, for example, you're only covered in Texas. If you go to Arizona and get injured, Arizona's going to bill Texas for your medical needs. And maybe your ambulance trip is covered in Texas, but Arizona deems that unnecessary to cover it. So you would be trying to get them to cover that when you go there. So, so if you take an ambulance ride in Canada, <laughs> because over here, I'll tell a quick story. So my little brother, when this is probably, gosh, 10 years ago, so it was a while ago, he broke his arm at a sports field about a mile and a half down the house, mm -hmm. from the house. And he broke it to where his arm looked like a boomerang. So it was, it was a bad break, you know. Um, the EMTs called my mom and said, hey, you're down the street. If you want to pick him up and take him to the hospital, it's going to cost $450 just for the ride if you don't. So my mom said, uh, yeah, we'll be there in two seconds. <laughs> don't take him to the hospital. Yeah, he's in pain, whatever. But 450 bucks for a plane ride. Or for a plane ride. Wow, I'm thinking I'm going to travel soon. Uh, for for a pretty much a little bus, a short bus ride, if you will. Yeah. You know, um, and... To me, it's so overpriced here. What, what would that be like in Canada? Do you get charged $450 for that? As far as I'm aware, I do know most of it is covered by Alberta Health Services. So I live in Alberta. Um, that's my state, so to speak. Um, and that one is covered by Alberta Health Services. So you would not be paying for that. Um, I do know um, prescriptions are cheaper in Canada. Um, I, at the time, do not have medical coverage beyond what is provided by my province. And recently, when every time I've got a prescription, it's been maybe 
$20 or less. I'm not addicted to prescriptions. Let's just clear that up. Um, so it's not, it's not opioids that you're getting. <laughs> yeah, Oxycontin. Just kidding. I don't know what that is either. Um, oh, yeah, you do. But if you don't have a medical plan, it is more affordable to get prescriptions. And a lot of times they will give you maybe a generic one if you're not covered by someone who's going to pay for it. So prescription-wise for me, um, my prescriptions are normally $10 with my health care. Now, it's provided by my office, my work. So, you know, I pay a very small premium and the office pretty much picks up the rest. Do you have companies in Canada that will supplement your state insurance or your province insurance and get you better health care? Oh, totally. Um, most companies that you work for, like bigger corporations, my dad worked for an oil and gas company pretty much his whole life. Um, and I would argue that I had one of the best um insurance companies growing up I never paid for I think I paid two dollars when I would go to the dentist no matter what if that was what I needed to pay oh, if I, I, every time I go to the dentist it cost me like 900 bucks I got a bill sitting on the counter right now 900 I bucks I had 10 cavities I'm gonna sound like a terrible person I had like 10 cavities filled one summer because it was about to run out and I think I paid like 20 bucks for everything I had all my wisdom teeth taken out it didn't cost me anything um, prescriptions never paid for that because it was part of the drug plan vision I got a eye vision test once a year it was covered my glasses were covered every year up to a certain amount so their company paid that uh, I'm not sure you, like Blue Cross do you guys have that down mm -hmm. here yeah yeah so their premiums range anywhere that's what my travel insurance is I think for 10 days emergency medical in the states cost me 30 bucks which for me is totally worth it if something happens. Um, but they start, I would say, 60 bucks a month, and that covers vision, dental, and you can get everything if you want it. So, Wow, that's, I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. I just, you know, so I've heard some, I've heard some horror stories, though, about Canadian healthcare with some people that have, you know, we'll call it stage three, stage four cancer. Um, you know, and obviously that's a big, it's a serious, serious illness. And a lot of people in the States anyway, it costs them a lot of money to be able to really afford to live at that point. So the cost of literally living is insane. So are things like that covered? Because, I mean, I've heard, and I actually know one person that has come down to the States to try to receive care that they weren't going to get in Canada. Um, actually, I've looked into this a little bit too. Um, just real quick, I had a friend, super close friend of mine. Um, she had stomach cancer and she passed away a couple years ago. Um, but she lived about 90 miles from the closest town. And once a week, she had a nurse that was paid for by um, the government that would come out and give her her medication, check on her, take her vitals, that kind of thing. So she was taken care of. Um, and then because she got too sick to go to the hospital and to get the treatment she needed. Um, and it was kind of near the end. I, I hate to say that, but um, there gets to a point where you know that there's nothing more that you can do. But she was taken excellent health, um, excellent care of in her final kind of and and going up to that point, like she had nurses that would come out and it was paid for. Um, she received money so she could because she didn't have a job, obviously, that she could take care of herself. Um, so there's different things like that. Even I know a lot of people who have gone through cancer. There's different foundations besides just um, the government that do take care of people that work on donations that are that kind of 
thing. So there is money out there for people. The biggest thing I think is the wait time for certain things. I'm not sure. I know there've been people who've come to the States for um, cancer and stuff, but I think the big one is surgeries um, because you get put on a waiting list and it's based on emergency for some of those. It's, it's funny that you say that. So I've actually got a stat here that it says in 2013, Canadians on average faced a four and a half month wait for medically necessary treatments after referrals by general practitioners. That is crazy. So does that mean I'm going to have to wait four and a half months to have surgery? It could be longer than that. <laughs> um, I guess it just depends. I mean, I'm on a wait list for a referral right now. And I know the earliest one I could get at the time was, I believe, six months away. It's not an emergency or anything like that. Um, and then I got another one that was, I think, three, four months away. Um, there's wait lists for things like knee replacements, hip replacements. Um, so those things are kind of like a last, like you don't need them for, they're more quality of life, not the ability to live. So I think that's, the wait times are definitely something that I think is being addressed overall within the government. Well, it's, you know what, uh, on your point there with um, when you say it's more of a quality of life more than an actual life thing, I think that's where I would say Americans are used to the health care that they've got because, you know, my grandfather, for example, had a double knee replacement. He went to the doctor, they said, you need to replace your knees. <laughs> and he was in in a week and, you know, had him. He was up there, you know, crotchety as ever, uh, trying to put him in that machine to get him to move his knees back and forth. Uh, but it was a week. And he had a surgery and was recovering already. Um, but having to wait that long for what would seem to me like a necessary surgery, you know, to keep somebody up and up and uh, able to walk and whatnot. I mean, that can be a very, very painful thing. And I don't know if it's like this in Canada, but I feel like if you couldn't do that here, if it was a four-month wait, you'd have a serious, serious painkiller addiction in this country, more so than we probably already do. Do you see that at all up there? I mean, I don't think so. I think there's enough treatments out there. Um, for example, my mom, she's currently on the wait, like she's put her name on the list for her knee replacement, um, just genetics, lifetime like that. But she's quite young, as most people are in their 60s and older. She's just in the 50s. Um, so she does other stuff like acupuncture and she goes to a physiotherapist stuff like that to ease the pain she doesn't really take pain medication and I do think there there's difference in the pain medicine that is in over-the-counter for example um, in America than there is in Canada is a little bit different as well what do you mean um, there's certain chemicals in U.S. painkillers that are not in but you're talking about over-the-counter, though, not yeah. prescriptions. So yeah. like Advil, for example. Yeah. So there's stuff in ours that isn't in y'all's? Well, I don't need an ID to buy Advil or Tylenol when I'm in Canada. Well, I don't. we don't need it here either. Yeah. You, no, you just need an ID to buy Sudafed. I don't know what that is. Sudafed people make meth with. Yes. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> no one makes meth in Canada. Yeah, right. I'm sure. <laughs> Although most of it, I think, come in, comes in from Mexico these days, I, I believe. I believe I saw that stat. I think small town America. But you know what? I mean, like uh, every other time on the Life, Liberty, and Pursuit podcast, mm -hmm. sometimes we, we do pull some stats out that, you know, are close. 
They're not dead on, but they're close. Yeah. So I feel like that whole half the meth thing might be close. Yeah. Maybe. I feel you looked like you knew what you were talking about, so I believed it. Well, well, that's good. That's good. So, you know, I think uh, with healthcare anyway, for us, it's again, it's it's become so much more expensive. We're not necessarily getting better healthcare. We're getting better healthcare if you want to pay a lot of money for it still. So it's almost like for us, the Affordable Care Act took regular working class people and those of a lower class and made it more impossible for them to get quality health care. They can get health care now, but they can't get quality health care. So does that play into any facts in Canada? Do you get a better quality health care if you're a certain status? Like if you pay more in taxes, for example, do you get a better health care no. plan or anything? The only thing is... Um for example, when my parents were still on their uh, health health plan from my dad's company before I retired, my mom would be able to have her own private room at the hospital. Whereas if I went to the hospital, I'd have to share with somebody else. Woohoo! Why like, is that? Because you had the private room, fancy. But you're not going to get any better care. You have you're the not- first class plan is what you had. <laughs> yeah, you have the VIP gold card. No, it's not like that you get the same treatment same types of doctors same thing like that it's just what you're covered for essentially is the only difference so we we were told we were going to be it to keep our doctors mm-hmm. that we if we wanted to on this stuff now i don't like i said i don't have obamacare plans um, i didn't shop through the the state exchange or the federal exchange I, I have mine through work so mine's probably better than a lot of theirs um, but you can still buy different plans under that system the problem is your the network has shrunk on a lot of these people. So the only place and I don't, do you guys have urgent care in Canada? Like, like it's the ER? It's sort of like an ER but it's kind of a freestanding building and it's not a real emergency room. There's not a hospital attached to it. We have walk-ins. So it's probably around the same thing I would think. Yeah, but they're real doctors. They well, take appointments. Not, not that those aren't real. <laughs> strike one for the Canadian. Those guys failed medical school. <laughs> they're just kind of like the, they're the security cops of the. <laughs> yeah. So urgent care is not going to like Nicola. So hopefully she doesn't get sick here because they're not going to take a real care of her. <laughs> With yeah. Real doctors. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of what we have here. Like, so for example, you know, when I was talking about earlier, when you go to a real hospital mm-hmm. and you go to the emergency room and you say, I have you know, flu-like symptoms, for example. If they admit you, the, the hospital has so many different fees involved. An aspirin is going to cost you $400, an aspirin. Whereas the urgent care is usually covered by most plans. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is you can go into these places if you've got the flu and say, look, I've, I think I've got the flu. Can you help me out? If not, then if they can't, then you go to a real hospital. But it's a fraction of the cost. So your visit costs $45 if you're insured with your copay. So the insurance company will pick up the rest of it. And then you don't have to do anything else. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you don't have an, an actual doctor you go to, a GP that you normally would see, or a specialist, that's where everybody goes now. And they're popping up all over the place. But a lot of these plans are not covering that. Oh, okay. So they're only covering the full hospital. So if you get a full hospital bill, I mean, even if you're there for a night, it's going to cost you 15,000 bucks. How is that affordable? It's not. 
So there are some overhauls that we need. I think the only, the only real good thing that Obamacare did was take the lifetime maximum away, um, and they can't turn you down for a pre-existing condition. See, I, I agree with that. Like, I feel like you can't help what you're born with, and if you can afford health care, you should be allowed to buy it. Like, if you were born with a heart defect and you have the means to pay for your health insurance, why not? Like, what's the problem? So, so on that point, before the lifetime maximum was taken away, you know, you had a certain amount of money that an insurance company would pay for your lifetime. So if you were a baby, and let's say you, you, you're a mom and you've got conjoined twins, mm-hmm. that surgery can let alone put them over the top of that maximum. And the insurance company isn't going to pick up a thing after that. How crazy is that? That is crazy. That's the reason insurance exists. It's for that sort of problem. So I will applaud Barack and the Democrats for putting that part through. Can but I the just rest record of it, that? Can you say that? Oh, one it's more recording time? already. <laughs> it's recording already. But that's the biggest bunch of BS. The rest of it, it's it doesn't do us any good. I don't think Trump's going to be any better um, with the whole repeal and replace of Obamacare. I just don't see that going well. Um, and hopefully they will keep the good parts and replace it with something good. Uh, but I have no faith whatsoever uh, in the Republicans' ability to do that. So can you pick your own doctor? I can. Because mo- we've got two really different kinds of uh, plans, really, in America. You have an HMO and a PPO. The PPO is the much better one. The HMO, pretty much, you have to choose an in-network doctor. Mm-hmm. So that insurance company has a contract with the doctor that says, I'm going to pay you this only. But you can't go to anybody else. You have to go there or you're going to pay full price. However, you're going to see a lot of doctors who will sit there and say, look, I have an MRI machine here. It's going to cost you normally, for example, in a hospital. If you go to an MRI at a hospital, let's call it $2,500. That's what it's going to cost. You go to a different facility where it's a standalone facility, it's just you know a couple of doctors that are radiologists. You go there, and they might charge you a thousand bucks. The difference is the hospital is getting a facility fee, so they're charging you fifteen hundred dollars to use the hospital, on top of what the doctor's going to charge you. So then the doctor charges you that, but the doctor may only get paid eight hundred dollars for that for that because he's got to deal with an insurance company that says the insurance company is going to pay eight hundred dollars and that's it. That's all he gets. But if you pay cash, it'll be $500. So you've got all these different moving parts, and it's, it really is a scam. Insurance is a scam. And I know that's what the Democrats had in mind of getting rid of that. But unfortunately, it didn't work. And I don't think it ever will. Because your type of medicine isn't going to work here. We have too many people coming from too many different places, whether it be legal or not. And I'm talking about legal people here, too. There's too many of them to care for. You can't possibly care for everybody mm-hmm. without a massive, massive tax increase. And I pay enough, in my opinion, to where I don't want to pay anymore. So I don't want to see anybody raise taxes just to pay health care. I'd, I'd prefer to pick up my own tab. Now, I will, I will absolutely pay for people who cannot pay for themselves, who have tried hard, have a 40-hour-a-week job, but just can't get by. I'll help them out. But if you're going to sit on the side of the street and beg and not do work, even though you're able to, I've got a problem with that. I don't want to pay your health care. And you're going to get fined when you file your taxes 
If you don't have health care, there's actually a question on the form if you have health care or not. If you answer no, it's like a $1,200 fine. That's it, $1,200. So when plans cost three to $400 a month, if these people don't want health care, they're not going to pay $400 a month. They're going to pay $1,200 at the end of the year and just get fined. Yeah. I mean, because that is sound math right there. As long as you have a healthy, you know, if you're healthy, like young people, most of the young people are not buying these crazy plans. They're just saying, you know what? I'll pay the fee. I don't need it. I don't need to, to worry about all this other healthcare stuff. So it was a great idea in theory, but here it's just not, it's not working. So hopefully you guys have a better, uh, a better solution in Canada than we do, but I don't think we're going to pass anything good. It's working, man. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I just, I wouldn't want to wait four or five months to get a knee replaced. I think that's the biggest issue right now. And it is being addressed. I think, um, it's hard for me because my whole life, that's all I've known. Right. Whereas you've known pretty much what you've known up until this whole affordable health care got put into place. So you were comfortable with that. You knew that that's kind of how it went. Um, but I think the wait times are, an issue for walk-in clinics, for example. Um, most people don't go to the ER unless they've been stabbed or shot. Which Is that happening? Canada? I've heard it's very friendly up there, so you can't get shot or stabbed. Um, I actually meant moose attack. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, like there's so many different things you can do. They have um, like a 411 that you can call and talk to a nurse and they tell you maybe you should get it checked out. Maybe you should talk to your family doctor or yeah you need to go to the ER so there's different things like that that kind of weed out not to say people aren't important enough but weed out kind of the people who are panicking um, there's a lot of stuff for new parents because I think that is a big thing that mm-hmm. wait times um, post-surgery stuff like that there's different numbers you can call um, so you probably don't have a lot of Munchausen syndrome in Canada then you know what that is? No. So it's people that are just, they, they always, they go to the doctor because they want to be, they want attention from a doctor. So they fake that they're sick. Mm. And so I, I guarantee there's not a lot of that in Canada because who the hell wants to wait six months to fool the doctor that he's got some <laughs> debilitating well, disease? You don't wait six months to see the doctor, but um, you there's so many family doctors and I mean I don't have a family doctor I just go to the walk-in clinic if I need to but that's pretty much it there's so many places you can go um I really don't think you need a family doctor for like I don't need a family doctor because I don't go that often but um you can kind of just walk in and get seen and get referred if you need to and that's it well that's good so I think we've tackled healthcare. Okay, for great. now, for now. But I want to I want to do something kind of short. It's probably going to be short because I think we're going to both agree on it. And that is, I want to know if education in Canada is as messed up as it is in the U.S. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you've been watching the news here at all, which obviously you haven't, <laughs> although I'm sure you get, you probably hear some of our crazy stories. But a lot of these these kids in college these days are they get triggered by certain words that either a professor will use or a student will use and they have to have a safe space and they have to have a trigger warning and they have to have counseling for the word that somebody used and it's insane so is any of that going on up there um 
I wouldn't say that, but I think it it's not just changed um, in the U.S. for kind of, I hate to say political correctness, but um, I do know that people are getting a lot more sensitive. Um, I remember when I was growing up in school, I was scared of my teacher. I was scared of my teacher talking to my parents, and I was scared of getting the belt, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the way it should be, I think, still, <laughs> yeah. honestly. And now um, I have many of my closest friends are all teachers and they have a lot of answering to do to parents. And I think that's what's wrong. Um, I don't think it's necessarily an education thing, but I think it's our society and it's happening in Canada as well. Um, You can't fail a kid. I remember people were scared of being the loser that got held back. (laughs) Um, I wasn't necessarily scared of it, but I'm not going to confirm nor deny that it happened to me maybe once. (laughs) 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 So I get what you're saying. Yeah. um, You can't do that anymore. And I think sometimes it's not the teacher's fault that your kid's not learning. Your kid might have a learning disability. They might have a hard time focusing like ADHD or something like that. But when you blame the teacher then how do you find out what's really holding your kid back when you say, well, my kid's not learning anything um, or, you know, stuff like that. It ends up being the teacher's fault when really your kid's a moron. Just kidding. And and overprotective parents. Exactly. That are just insane. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I mean, that's obviously more of a grade school slash high school situation. So you think that's causing our, what I'll call an epidemic of stupidity on college campuses? I feel like it is, yeah. If you look at um, the way our parents raised us and kind of our generation, I think... And just to clarify, Nicola is also a millennial. so <laughs> I'm 50. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I think they were harder on us and we still had that little bit of fear of our parents. We weren't like, oh, we're going to phone Child Protective Services because you wouldn't let me do what I want or watch TV. And I think that is kind of what the phase we're going through right now. And all of my friends are like, this is bullshit. My kids will not be raised like that. Can I say that on Absolutely. Here? Okay. Cuss, cuss all you want. <laughs> um, our generation now is like fed up with it. So they're raising their kids differently. But you see that now, like the kids who are getting away with everything, those are the ones in college that they feel entitled. Yes. They feel like the world owes them something and that's... It's everywhere. It's not just in America. It's well, I'm glad to hear that, but I'm not glad to hear that because I felt like it was just America that was trying to go super, super crazy to the left. And, you know, because that's what I blame it on the left personally, which I would call a liberal. <laughs> and uh, that, Is that Democrat. Yes. OK. Yes. Cool. Cool. So we have these things called social justice warriors. All over. I'm sure you've got them in Canada, too. You must. I have not heard of that. So a social justice warrior is pretty much the people that will sit there. Mike and I, you know, when he was still a host of the show, <laughs> he, um, we would we like to talk about Bruce Jenner a lot. Oh, yep. I you heard know? that one. Yeah. So the problem that we had with stuff like that is a, a social justice warrior will immediately call you out if you don't call him a she or call him Caitlin. When in reality, I'm sorry... When I was growing up, he was Bruce Jenner. It's not going to be easy for me to just turn it off and go, you know what? He's a new person. He's a she now. And I know there's actually a Canadian professor, and I don't remember his name, 
but I've been actually listening to a lot of his stuff, and he's, he's a pretty smart guy. But he starts talking about how he refuses to use the term, the pronoun, that these kids want him to use, that they identify as. And I think that's nuts. I, I know of exactly two genders, male and female. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the other 65 are. I've never heard of them. I didn't grow up with that. But a social justice warrior is that one person, that one person, everybody, every sane person finds incredibly irritating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, I have heard of them. <laughs> so you, you may not have heard them as social justice warriors, but you know them. You know of them. So that's a big issue on college campuses these days is just a social justice warrior. I mean, you can't say, and Mike and I got into it a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago on banned words, that you can't say um, gypped anymore. Like you can't say the word gypped because that's degrading to gypsies. Oh, are they still around? Uh, not here, they're not. Hmm. Eastern Europe, I think they're still available. <laughs> but we wouldn't want to offend them now, would we? You know, but I wouldn't want to be in Eastern Europe right now either. <laughs> You know, it seems to be a hotbed of terrorist activity mm. in the last, I don't know, however many months. Seems to be like a lot of crap's going over there that's not exactly good. You know, so I'm glad to know that Canada's having that same issue, and it's not just us. So what do you think we can do about that? So I'm, we'll wrap it up probably here in a couple of, couple of minutes, but I want to I tackle that. What do you think that we can do to combat these crazy, crazy people? I honestly don't know if I have an answer for you, um, but I would say I don't think it's necessarily, I don't know how to say it to make you understand. <laughs> well, I'm not that dumb, but thank you, Nicola. <laughs> so try for me. Um, I think there's a difference between just not knowing what to call all these 50 different genders or being these super sensitive sallies um that was probably not the best way to address that that was too nice in my opinion but um, you may continue but then there's also just being kind of a dick about stuff like there's a difference between not giving a shit if someone is one of the 65 or thinking that they're wrong because they are well so in canada i've heard that some provinces are thinking about creating hate speech laws to where that's considered a crime and is punishable by jail time. I've not heard that. And I should probably brush up on that because I might be in jail next yeah, time we talk. You, <laughs> you seriously might be uh, need some bail money, but it's probably going to be more in Canada than it would be here. And I just don't have that kind of cash. Yeah, you do. The exchange rate's real good for you right now. <laughs> You're my first call. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a super long distance away. <laughs> I think everyone just got really sensitive. I think there's certain rights that need to be heard. Um, I'm probably not the friendliest Canadian out there, um, but I feel like if you, ex oh, this is a whole nother topic, but I feel like you need to respect where you live and you need to respect other people. And if you don't like it, you can leave. Um, but that's not really going to the sensitive of the. No, you know what though? That, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, if you, live, if you live in Texas, for example, chances are you're going to be slightly more conservative than others. If you live in West Hollywood, you're not. It's, Austin is pretty much West Hollywood in Texas. So if you live down there, you're what I would consider a crazy person. Just incredibly liberal. You know, I've got to use the right language. I can't say this. I can't say that. 
my thing with is free speech and you know that's what we're all about here on this podcast we want to use free speech for everything because how do you know what somebody's thinking unless you let them talk and that's the biggest thing i think the only way to do this is just let people talk period and then you know and then you know but maybe don't shoot them down once they're talking well i mean if they're saying really crazy stuff you can always shoot them down at that point i think that, that is what you think. But you have to have, you know, you have to be <laughs> logical about it. You have to have some facts. Mm. You know, we like to call them the Piers Morgan facts on this podcast where they're not really facts. They're just made up bullshit that he just came up with. I forgot how much you love him. Oh, I know. My favorite person in the entire world is Jeremy Clarkson, formerly of Top Gear, now of the new show Grand Tour on Amazon, because he actually punched Piers Morgan in the face. <laughs> He's my favorite person ever. I've never heard of him. So, well, it's a good show. You probably should watch it, but that's my plug for the day. It's banned in Canada. Is it really? Yeah, probably. No. There's guns too in it. Too much free speech. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think we've, uh, we've come to a good spot here to end today's episode. So we want to appreciate you guys uh, listening in. My new co-host, Nicola. Mike is again. He's been canned. <laughs> but uh, he might still be answering some Twitter questions. So definitely follow us on there, at LLNP Podcast. And you can always see us on our website, llppodcast.com. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 